You're listening to the True to Life Podcast, a show where we discuss life and analyze ideas as followers of Jesus in a post-Christian context. The True to Life Podcast is hosted by Aaron and Carson, two ordinary guys learning how to live with purpose in a changing world. Together, we'll discover how to be present with God and others in a way that is true to life. Welcome to the True to Life podcast, or rather, should I say, welcome back. Hello, Carson Rogers. How are you tonight? Good. Who are you? I don't know. It's been so long. And to uh, to anyone who happens to have uh, noticed our absence, missed us, reviled us in their hearts, we're deeply and abidingly sorry that it's been this long. I assume Speak Carson for yourself. is also sorry. I did. Are you sorry? Not to them. No. Well. I'm kidding. And that's enough. All of you. I love you all. (laughs) So my wife and I have been having a big adventure. Uh, She is a nurse and had the opportunity to come along to be a travel nurse and to take a contract in Phoenix, Arizona. And I work remotely, uh, especially since COVID. And so we took that opportunity and drove across America and have been having a big adventure in Phoenix, Arizona, and all of its any and anywhere that you can drive to within five or six hours of here. So it's been all the way to Tacoma. Blast. Philadelphia. Yeah, you should really write Atlanta, that down and make a song out LA. of it. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You're so lyrical. Uh, I know. But that, um, so we're going to go with that's our excuse. Apparently, us being in two different time zones is enough to uh, uh, completely and permanently for two or three months throw off uh, whatever whatever groove we'd achieve. So we're sorry for our protracted absence, and and we're back for whatever this is. Hi, Carson. The re- the return of the show. Exactly. I've missed you. I've missed talking to I've you. Missed How have you, you too. been? I've been good. Um, been busy. Uh, what with with school and working and babies and raising them. And they're not really babies anymore, but they are children. Um, All right, so a lot of excuses on Carson's half. Yeah, yeah, let's see, July was the last time that we we casted. So um, we bought a house right before the last... uh, the last podcast, I believe, um, we had closed on our house. And since then, uh, yeah, just busy with, uh, new schools and, uh, school for me, new schools for the kids. My daughter's in high school now, which, wow. Oh my gosh. My, uh, and, yeah. and hopefully Moira doesn't listen to these, but, uh, my, uh, my most abiding memory of her, as I think I've said before, is of the uh, mischievous little child with the angel, Angely curly hairs who ran around stealing my new headphones and hiding them in her tricycle for the the next three months, um, yep. and and then then we found them. But uh, that that's the last, that's the most enduring memory I have of her. And now she's now she's a little grown up. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, to... things have been going well. Um, have been missing you dearly. Thank you. And I no know. problem. I mean, I, I really only ever saw you via Zoom anyway, um, but you feel further away 
I know you feel farther away. How very strange. It hurts. Well, let's fix that. Ooh, my, my timer went off. I'm making, all right. So, uh, so husband points, I'm making my wife some delicious, uh, uh, pan sheet pan broccoli toast uh, tossed in toasted sesame oil, and then also some 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 delicious shrimps that I have marinating in the refrigerator so right now. Did you toast good. the sesame oil and then toss it, or did you toss the broccoli and sesame oil and then toast it? Um, Trader Joe's Incorporated did the toasting of the sesame oil. I don't know if you uh-huh. had toasted sesame oil. But on the uh, on the totem pole of sesame oils, it is it is at the top, yay, exceeding and above and beyond any other sesame oils. And if you apply it to any sort of uh, vegetation like broccoli or any other rabbit food, then it right. enhances it um, to a great degree. So it's it's going to be really good. And then I also applied salt and pepper, just the pedestrian regular kind of salt and pepper that you could get at, you know, any old food line or something. And then yeah. toss the the shrimp in Old Bay seasoning and some olive oil. And that's going to be mm. real good when I saute it. Toasted olive oil? Nope. I, I assume it's just the regular old cold pressed olive oil, but not a... Extra virgin or just food. virgin? I don't think it was either, actually. It was actually whatever was in the cabinet of the... Uh, the Airbnb we're renting here. So like, we're, we're really taking a chance. Yeah. Like the, the B grade, um, like motor oil. Yeah. 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 Probably. Okay. Right. Whatever so floats your boat. It's, it's not that full synthetic olive oil that you usually try to get when you make something like that. But, uh, so, so there's that. So what are we talking um, about, buddy? Um, nothing in particular and lots of catching up, but what I would like to do is I, I have a lot of thoughts and reflections from driving across America. And so whatever <clears> we get to tonight, uh, we'll jump into, and then whatever we don't get to, I'll probably just do a, a part two and finish up on my, uh, reflections, which a foreshadowing of those is I have been really, and I don't say this lightly, deeply and profoundly uh, profoundly, profoundly impacted by how big America is and how vast the open spaces are and how deeply moving it is when you are driving through somewhere like Texas or New Mexico or Arizona, especially at night when you can see the stars or in the daytime when all you can see is planes stretching away into mountains and it seems like the earth is so much bigger and broader than you've ever really been able to imagine before and to me that brought me a lot closer to god in a way that i'd never physically or viscerally felt before and i've been doing a lot of psalms in my quiet time um especially when i'm floating around in the pool here looking up at the stars at night which has been fun in and of itself and so those have been some of the most interesting and and uh good quiet times I've ever had, but the experience of, of nature and traveling across a really big piece of land like America is, has been a really interesting and moving for me. So we'll talk about that to whatever extent you want to tonight, and then I'll follow up and then uh, whatever else comes, uh, comes into your brain that you want to talk about. I'm also deeply happy to discuss also. Mm. Awesome. Yes, indeed. So, um, 
as far as uh go ahead uh, i was just going to say um so since last we casted um mm. I'm trying to think of things that have happened since then. We we pulled out of Afghanistan. Uh, Norm McDonald died. Um, COVID has started to surge again. Um, what else? I think those are the big three that we had sort of talked about, talking about. Um, and as always, we try not to uh, get overly political and uh, obviously COVID in Afghanistan could incline themselves in those directions, but um, let's go through those. Um, so let's start with Afghanistan. I think certainly you and I would be of the opinion that the, the main thing, especially as Christians that we should be oriented toward is the, the human suffering that was going to come anytime anybody pulled out of Afghanistan. And then the, I guess, current debacle that we find ourselves faced with certainly gives us a rich opportunity for for prayer and reflection and, I guess, just evaluating how we can love people well and what normal people like you and I can do to to support refugees or people that might be experiencing the, the fallout of something like what's currently gone on in Afghanistan. Um, what are your initial reflections? So, um, definitely the, uh, when you hear some of the horror stories coming out of Afghanistan now, um, the, the human cost, um, of not just lives lost, but the ways in which they are lost, um, Mm. and not just the loss of, of life, but the, the loss of, living and um freedoms that that people enjoyed and uh and things um even though uh you know um even though people are still alive um they're not living uh, the same quality of life that they were previously um and when you hear about the the brutality of um, some of the, the Taliban and, um, you know, the, the way in which they've, uh, started to assert their authority, even while in the same breath, not talking or talking about being a new kind of Taliban that isn't so, uh, strictly authoritarian. Um, their actions thus far seem to have, uh, fallen short of, uh, those kind of ideals. So, um, it just, it's really gut wrenching and, and heartbreaking overall. Um, my thoughts initially, um, go to the Christians, um, that are still in the country, um, that no doubt are going to have to go into hiding, um, and have already started to do so. Um, Christians that will be asked to either uh, recant or if, if they're even given that opportunity um, or simply martyred um, for their faith. Um, my thought goes to uh, the missionaries um, that were there in the country, but um, 
uh, it, it's such a closed off country. It's hard to, um, to know, you know, how many people are, are still there. Um, God knows. And, um, I guess I just, I think that as we pray for, um, Afghanistan, that we definitely ought to also, uh, pray for our brothers and sisters and, and hurt and mourn with them, um, as they're undergoing this persecution, um, and will continue to undergo this persecution. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, a lot of times in the West, it's, it's easy for us to, um, to kind of pay lip service to, uh, praying for our brothers and sisters around the world, but, um, not really feeling the impact of, of what that actually means. Um, I don't think there's probably any way for us to imagine the, um, the, the heartache and the, the pain that they're going through. But at the same time, um, if we just take some time to, to reflect on, um, the realities there and put ourselves in, in their shoes, um, these are, are people that Jesus died for that he loves, um, with children, just like I have and families just like I have, um, who love Jesus, who are a light in a dark place. And, um, and they're going to be going through a really rough time for the foreseeable future. So, um, definitely need to, uh, lift them up in prayer for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the heartbreaking things about Afghanistan is that nobody seems to see a way forward um, obviously there's well-publicized accounts of people that are stuck there that want to get out, that have a option of getting out, but then there's a great amount of people who pro- would probably prefer to get out, but due to their citizenship or life circumstances have no ability whatsoever to, uh, to leave Afghanistan. And it's heartbreaking to see all the progress that they, they had made, um, not only now, but previously before the, the Taliban had come to power. And then you just regress so quickly to a form of um, total authoritarian government that reminds us how easy it is for human beings to exert just animalistic control over one another. And when, when power is the only thing that they care about, how everything else goes to the wayside and there's no, um, there's no abuse that's, that's too bad to inflict on someone in order to control them or get your way. And um, obviously like you, like you covered, that goes for Christians. Um, It also goes for Muslim minorities that don't line up with the Taliban Um, goes for other religious minority groups or political minority groups, or um, obviously like we've heard a lot about how, how women are getting their rights profoundly stripped away from them under the rule of the Taliban. So um just like everyone else, we don't have a, an answer for that other than to say that um, we believe God is real and that prayer is actually you talking to God and him actually listening. And um, that if we pray for those people, um, that we have God's ear to do so. And so it's it's incumbent on us to not only talk about it, but to, to pray for them as they're going through this uh, really great time of travail. So we definitely... Uh, mourn for the people of Afghanistan right now. And as it's a fluid situation and getting people out, we, we certainly hope that they have 
Godspeed in being able to evacuate the country to whatever degree they're able. And for those who remain, um, our, our prayer is that they will have um, as much peace as possible. So it's a, it's a hard situation. It makes makes me feel really blessed to have the freedoms that we do and, and that we take for granted. And if I was to guess, I think Carson's talking and is muted. He Smash is that I'm mute sorry. button. I know. <laughs> um, so uh, as you were sitting here talking, I, I was thinking about um, the, while at the same time we feel heartbroken for the Afghanis, um, I feel very, very blessed um, to live in a country with freedoms Um you know, like I do, um, regardless of what you may or may not believe about, um, the idea of American exceptionalism and, um, you know, America being the, the greatest country in the history of the world and, and what have you. Um, the fact of the matter is we're not executing people in the street, um, without a trial. Um, there, there's, goodness here and um god's restrictive grace um has um has been you know shown to us and that uh things are not nearly as bad as they could be despite the the trouble that we see on the news all the time that's true um yeah and so i don't i don't think we'll delve too much more deeply into afghanistan right now other than to say like we it's always hard because you say when I pray or that I'll be praying for them. And then you know, as well as I do that we often say those things and then fail to actually pray for people when we say it. So I, I do mean that I want to be lifting those, the people of Afghanistan and their loved ones up in prayer. Um, I even know of like several situations of people who were, you know, trying to get out before the Taliban took over and it's just, it's heartbreaking. So it's just something that's uh, it's fraught with so much human suffering. Um, but would would you you just said uh, restrictive grace? Can you kind of flesh out what you mean by that um, when it comes yeah, to God's so, restrictive grace? Yeah. So what I would mean by that is um, that uh, God restrains humanity from becoming mm-hmm. as bad as we possibly could be um, yeah. when. You know, when we watch somebody like, you know, Hitler who kills six million Jews or, you know, somebody like um, ISIS who's beheading people on TV, um, you know, that kind of stuff, um, it's it's hard to imagine um, people could get very much worse than that. Um, but, you know even even in those circumstances you know that um like if if we look at the the whole of human history um and I, I, you know i mentioned particularly in our country um those are not the things that characterize um our society right mm-hmm. and that's not because of anything good in us right um i would i would say that too like um there are a lot of people who would say well, that's just because, you know, Americans are good people. And I would say, no, um, we're, we're equally sinful. 
um, were every bit as sinful uh, as uh, Hitler or Mussolini or, um, you know, I don't know of a, a popular ISIS fighter, but um, but any of them that are, you know, beheading people or, or whatever, um, you know, I, I, we are no less sinful, but um, God in his grace has shown, um, has has held people back from becoming as bad as they possibly could be. Um, and sometimes that, um, that hand of, of restrictive grace, uh, I believe, you know, God will remove that for a time, either, you know, whether it's in, in judgment or, um, or as a test or just to bring about the, you know, um, whatever it is that, that he desires to bring about, um, you know, even in the early church, when the early church went through persecution, um, you know, God, uh, if you read in, in the book of Acts, God used that dispersion um, that, you know, was created as a result of persecution um, to spread the gospel and and to see people come to Christ. Um, and so we, we don't know what God is doing in, uh, in Afghanistan. Um, but um, I think, you know, to what extent we observe it, um, we can be thankful for um, for God's restrictive grace, um, not just here, but uh, but around the world. Um, that things have not gotten as bad as they could, and that He's patient with us despite our sinfulness. Mm. Well said. Thank you, uh, as always, for cleverly fleshing out those those ideas when you say them. I really really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, also, I uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that because I uh, I've been thinking about that as well um, in the context of like you said you made the point that in America we're not better people than people in the other world uh, the other parts of the world it's potentially that we've just been born into a a country that has um, heretofore been blessed with a tremendous amount of peace and prosperity and that being a peaceful person takes literally no effort. As a matter of fact, there's peer pressure to be a peaceful person. If I went out into the, uh, the uh, crowded mall with, uh, with a machete and started waving it around, uh, people would uh, peer pressure me into stopping. Um, whereas in some parts of the world, I suppose that sort of behavior could be uh, at least tangentially encouraged in, in some sorts of ways. And I often think about the fact that I'm not a better person than people in other parts of the world. Um, I'm extraordinarily blessed by the the time I was born into, the country I was born into, the family I was born into, um, and that Hitler always gets picked on, and rightly so. Sure. Um, <laughs> but one of the quotes from C.S. Lewis that's always been, that's um, always stuck with me, and I've consider it to be one of the most profound things he he ever said at least to me because obviously he was talking to me um is that he was talking to him personally huh yes um (laughs) so he was talking about the fact that some people um that everyone has anger and murder and hatred in their heart everybody has love Mm -hmm. in their heart everyone has some sort of redeeming qualities because uh, we're we're created in the image of God, and that image is not utterly effaced in anybody, in my opinion. You might yeah. find some people that say, 
that the that the idea of total depravity means that there is nothing left of the image of God in people, and we were utterly sinful. And that's a, a debate for another time. Um, but we are created in the image of God, and there's there's that goodness that lingers, even though it's mixed with sin and and depravity. Um, and C.S. Lewis had a a beautiful quote where he said. Uh, one man might be so placed that his anger sheds the blood of thousands of people. And another man might be so placed that however angry he gets, he will only be laughed at. But that little mark on the soul may be much the same in both. Each has done Mm. something to himself, which unless he repents will make it harder for him to keep out the rage next time he's tempted and will make the rage worse when he does fall into it. Each of them, if he seriously turns to God, can have that twist in the central man straightened out again. Each is, in the long run, doomed if he doesn't. The bigness or the smallness of the thing seen from the outside is not what really matters. And that's always been really profound to me because you think about Hitler. He was a man who was enraged. He was uh, maybe given to madness. He was... Uh, certainly someone who gave in to depravity, but he was someone in a position to do something about it. Um, I can see even in my own heart and in, in the hearts of many people where if they were able to be in a place where their their rage or their anger or their jealousy or their, their hatred or their tendency to gossip or their pride um, or the different ways in which we practice gluttony, if, if any of those were in a place where they would affect thousands or millions of people, we would have many, many petty tyrants on our hands that would absolutely wreck uh, thousands or millions of people if only they were in that position. And so I think that it's good to examine our own hearts and understand that um, it's only by an accident of history that we find ourselves in such a peaceful, prosperous, amazing station in life that we are now. And there but for the, the accident of history or the grace of God, uh, might go we into somewhere like what if I was born into a family of the Taliban or what if I was born um, into a, a murderous dictatorial family would I be that singular brave person that would actually stand up and 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 try to be brave and go against the grain uh, I don't think so I'd probably just uh, be what I was raised to be so none of that really answers any of the the deep questions that come from it. It just hopefully in my life gives me some proper humility about the person that I am. And um, obviously if you're blessed to live in a peaceful country, you should practice an immense amount of gratitude um, as a result of that, but also an appropriate amount of humility um, that, that being a good, peaceful, virtuous person is demanding absolutely nothing of you right now. And that if the day ever comes when it does, um, hopefully you'll be able to to step up and exert that effort. Yeah. Back to you, What's Bob. Um, so I'm curious, what uh, what book was that uh, Lewis passage from that you read? Mere Christianity. Oh, okay. I don't remember that passage, but okay. It's been a while since I've read the book. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's definitely I I think probably well he's he's that rare person that has a lot of different classics <laughs> he has Screw Tape mm-hmm. Letters the Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe and Mere Christianity which are all I would say like, equally quotable and classic and and worth a 
a yearly reread just because they're they're so insightful and humbling and um, such such rich rich fodder for reflection. So good, indeed. Cool. Um, he's no G.K. Chesterton, but he's all right. Well, um, <laughs> so I started listening to Orthodoxy. I can't say that I've continued, um, but I, uh, I I've tried to keep my promise. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, the The promise to which Carson is referring, I think, is that for a while before becoming vastly disillusioned, I gave out uh, G.K. Chesterton's book Orthodoxy to everyone who graduated from uh, college or seminary or high school or second grade or whatever with a uh, a devout injunction that they should read it and be summarily blessed by it. Um, and to this day, only only one of my friends has uh, actually um, completed it. Um, after me having given it as a, uh, a deep and loving gift. Um, but I appreciate your effort. Now my wife gets off the hook because I'm still working on it. I w- uh-huh. Um, my wife gets off the hook because she was, uh, I was reading it to her and she became so enthralled by it, uh, that her foot did bear down upon the accelerator for she was driving to the extent where the local gendarmerie and, uh, minions of the law, uh, took exception to her, her driving and pulled her over at which point um, my my heart became frothy with anger, and uh, I, I think I sinned in my heart against her for uh, did, exceeding did her the speed limit and getting the accelerator because she she fell into a deep sweet slumber. No, she was enthralled listening to me oh. read orthodoxy to her, like you should okay. do. Yeah, I, I would rather listen to you read it. Honestly, the guy that uh, does the narration on the. <laughs> The audiobook I downloaded is is kind of a a chore to listen to, but that's neither here nor there. Ooh, speaking of chores, and uh, with my uh, my foreshadowing earlier, I need to go uh, check on the uh, the sesame toasted broccoli. So we're going to call this our first break, and we'll be back for more uh, more conversation with Carson and toasted I sesame right after this broccoli break. And we're back. Hello, Carson. Hello, Aaron. In the uh, the more lighthearted current event that we want to get to, even though it the, does involve the uh, the death and passing of a person, I was um, going to say lighthearted may be a bad choice of words, buddy. Not necessarily, because the person that has passed is the inimitable Norm Macdonald. Who, uh, if you don't know him, you should, and if you do know him, you love him, and you do. Uh, if you do know him, then you know that uh, uh, revelry, ribaldry, and uh, a great deal of humor is what he would want in order to commemorate his passing from everyone that knew him and loved him. So, uh, Norm Macdonald, for anyone who's not familiar with him, was a uh, a groundbreaking and iconic comedian of the uh, probably late '80s all the way through the '90s, and then up through the 2000s, and um, kind of fading away since uh, for the last 10 years, even though he didn't tell anybody he was battling with cancer and succumbed to it um, here just a few days ago, which is very sad and uh, very much in keeping with his personality that he wouldn't have told anyone that he was actually uh, fighting cancer. Um, So uh, we, at least I, and you can tell me what you think of him, um, consider him a a pretty seminal figure in modern comedy and I think the influence that he exerted and the, uh, the depth of his, uh, 
knowledge of of what is comedic, his delivery, um, his jokes, his talk show appearances, um, even the the greatest joke ever told, uh, the the moth joke, um, are are contributions that will long endure in the annals of YouTube if if uh, if nowhere else. So um, I've got other stuff to say, but um, I actually don't know if you know anything about Norm Macdonald. What has your experience with him? been like and uh what would you say about his his life and passing well i mean obviously a very uh central comedic figure it is hard to overstate the impact that turd ferguson has had on uh american (laughs) comedy (laughs) (laughs) i i I was watching you I, i tried to time it with you taking a sip of your drink um (laughs) <laughs> I was hoping for a spit take, but I didn't didn't quite get it. Um, but yes, did, Turd Ferguson is I, one of his his greatest characters. <laughs> I, oh. I apologize Celebrity for the rowdy mouth there, but it's true. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> so if you don't understand that joke, you really ought to go watch uh, Celebrity Jeopardy uh, for Saturday Night Live. Uh, basically, <laughs> um, he's he's talking to. <laughs> Alex Trebek and on the uh, the little teleprompter screen that they have on Jeopardy where they write their names or whatever um, he changed his name to Turd Ferguson and uh, Which... his character is uh, if you didn't say this already he's supposed to be playing Burt Reynolds right as the uh, celebrity right. yeah 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 Which and it was just actually, really like actually really liked liked it so it's funny yeah um, yeah anyway Norm Macdonald was great. Um, weekend update on SNL uh, was a mainstay. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, his appearances on a variety of late night uh, talk shows, and uh, you know he was just kind of a household name. Um, but also, um, I think it's it's interesting. Um, he would say he he wasn't a very educated man but he was he was very very sharp and very smart um uh had a a very quick wit um even though his delivery a lot of times was kind of slow and and like low-key um very quick-witted and um he he seemed to um to give hints that um, and I actually, from, from what I understand, he had, he had gone through, uh, a season of, of kind of personal exploration spiritually, um, where he had kind of, uh, delved into, into the teachings of Christianity and, and things. Um, I'm not sure if he would be a professing Christian or not. Um, I saw a tweet the other day that, um, that said, you know, that, uh, basically, he he views all of life as uh, a miracle uh, from God. Um, to what extent that that proves his uh, his devotion to God, I'm not sure. Um, only God knows. But um, I really hope that uh, toward the end of his life, he was uh, able to uh, to hear the truth and and believe it. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I was listening to a uh, a Catholic podcaster reflect on a um, a one on one Twitter thread back and forth. He'd had like I guess direct messages is what the kids call it, 
with with Norm Macdonald, and it actually turned into uh, quite the lengthy exchange in which they spoke back and forth about his um, spiritual and religious convictions, and he said he didn't want to um, to bandy a private conversation about other than to say that he was personally convinced that Norm Macdonald had a deep and abiding um, spirituality, religious faith, and possibly even of the um, the Christian variety, which I don't think anybody knows for sure, like you said, but no. um, I think you can see a lot of those themes reflected in it. Um, and one thing I, I can't remember if we were recording or not that we've been talking about a little bit tonight was, uh, was, was Russian uh, literature. Um, I recently, no, that was all you finished... off here. Okay. Uh, so one thing I want to talk about is uh, a little bit of reflections on uh, Gulag Archipelago, which is a, a masterpiece by Alexander Solzhenitsyn that I uh, read when I first got here to Phoenix and um, wanted to share some thoughts about uh, probably not in this conversation, but probably in the, uh, the follow-up. Um, and Alexander Solzhenitsyn was someone who became a Christian during his time in the Gulags, uh, basically Russian's version of a concentration camp um, during like the twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties of uh, um, when you had the, the good old trifecta of uh, Trotsky, Lenin, Stalin, and then eventually giving way to, to Khrushchev there in uh, Russia. And out of that crucible of pain and suffering and misery and um, ultimately. Did you just say crucible on purpose? I don't know. I think it ad- adequately describes it. Why? Because oh, you, you that mentioned way? Khrushchev, and then you said crucible. And I thought maybe you were making a play on words, and <laughs> I wasn't sure. Uh, let's go with that. Some fine alliteration if crucible with, was, was with a K. So we'll say crucible, crucible with a K. <laughs> crucible. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. But, but I'll... No, that's that's fine. Um, all, that, all that to say... Um, Russian literature is a incredibly uh, deep and incisive and insightful genre of literature and uh, more about that later, I guess. But um, Norm Norm MacDonald's joke, um, and if you go to YouTube and type in best joke of all time, um, nine out of ten times, you'll probably pull up the moth joke. Um, It is the immortal moth joke. Um, I would say it is the funniest joke I've ever heard. it's it's a joke where the the punchline literally comes 10 seconds after the intro but norm mcdonald managed to stretch it out over about five minutes into a uh basically a checkoff play of russian literature in which he spun a yarn of uh stereotypical russian tropes of of suffering malaise uh love hope envy fear cowardice doubt triumph um, revolution and and all of that into a joke about a moth um, going into a podiatrist's office. And the way he did it um, was because he thought he had 20 seconds to fill. Then Conan O'Brien said, no, you got seven minutes. And so he extended it out and then uh, <laughs> came up with a, uh, a joke that, uh, that was just brilliant in its uh, conception and execution and completely epitomized who Norm MacDonald was as a comedian and why he'll be so greatly missed by the people that, that knew and loved him. Um, I guess in the comedic sphere, um, I'm, I'm not a comedian, so I only love him from afar on, on many YouTube clips, but he's certainly one of those people who's influential and will be greatly missed. And, um, I think that one thing he did was 
elevate comedy um, in a way that I, I think is really helpful. Something you touched on earlier is he's a very, he was a really well-read person, which comes through in the immortal moth joke. Um, but one thing that he always held dear is that if you're the smartest person in the room, you should never act like it. Someone he really admired was Charlie Chaplin, who was in the the old black and white um, comedy movies, famous for his uh, silliness and slapstick comedy, but was actually a really intelligent person. And Norm MacDonald was the same way. He was uh, he was usually the smartest person in the room, but acted in such a, a self-effacing way and never aggrandized himself um, that he, he was able to relate to everyone in the room and bring his humor exactly to a level that would uh, entertain them. And he was never holding himself above the crowd or the people he was talking to. And uh, I, I thought that was a really admirable quality of him. So uh, I'll miss him a lot. Very sad that he's gone and uh, very sad that he struggled with cancer for nine or 10 years and didn't tell anybody, even though that's that was a very Norm Macdonald thing to do. So as uh, as will many people, I'm sure we will mourn his passing. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Um, yeah. Anything else that you wanted to say about about him or any other current events? I don't so much know what's going on. I haven't done a lot of current eventing lately. Uh, yeah, most of my time recently has been spent, um, really, uh, focusing on, uh, financial and managerial accounting, which is at least 11 times worse than it sounds. <laughs> so I also am somewhat yeah. out of the loop with regard to current events, but well, um, then, then we shan't pontificate too deeply on, on that which of uh, which we do not know. So we can <laughs> we can move on. Um, like I said, I want to follow up Carson and I's podcast with a uh, a brief recap of Candace and I's uh, journey across America and uh, in <laughs> visiting all the sundry states that you go through. If you start off in North Carolina and you take the southern route on I forty all the way out to Phoenix, and then you take a uh, a sharp right hand turn up toward the northward parts of America and go from um, taking a lift at Albuquerque. Nah, that would have been oh, awful. Way more. That was a Bugs Bunny way. reference. Oh my goodness. Did you know that the big giant cactuses that you see out here are one completely real, shockingly enough. Mm -hmm. uh, but for twosies, um, they take, so, so they, they grow up in like a, a, just like a straight kind of like a just like an eye or a one or whatever they mm -hmm. just grow up straight toward the sky and then eventually they get those really cool little arms um, mm -hmm. and then their their arms go off in little different directions um, but it can take a hundred years before they start sprouting arms then it can take like 30 or 40 years for an arm to successfully grow and by the time they become that that giant big majestic saguaro cactus that you see on all of the billboards and stuff um, it, it might be a 130-year-old cactus, which is just wow. super cool. And actually, your, cool. your sister and, and my brother, who are, who are married, came out here and, uh, and ventured around with us and took lots of pictures and were utterly enthralled by all the cactuses. And uh, Candace and I only recently got to go and see a lot of cactuses because we journeyed to the Botanical Gardens of Phoenix, Arizona, which was a transcendent experience if what you're looking for is cactuses and other things that will... Uh, prick you if you accidentally backhand them. 
um, speaking mm. from experience. But also, mm. also the uh, the flowering quantity of them is quite beautiful and a, a testament to the uh, the firmament which declares the glory and the wonders of God. And then there are also little quail that were running around under the cactuses. Um, and quail have a little funny feather on their heads that bobs around while they run under the cactuses. So it was uh, quite a bit of uh, interesting firmament that we saw, both the flora and the fauna, and uh, was very interesting. So, that sounds delightful. Cactuses. cactuses. Um, so I did not know that they grew that old. But it does make a lot of sense because I did know um, that there are certain localities um, in which the saguaro cactuses are protected uh, such that you can't uh, cut them down to build or or whatever. I actually saw a picture the other day of a um, – it was a home. I believe it was in – I'm going to say it was maybe Phoenix or San Antonio. I can't remember. Um one of those southwestern states with which I'm not uh, incredibly familiar. Um, nevertheless, I, I saw this picture. Um, I'm part of a, uh, a bad architecture group um, because I like looking at pictures of really bad architecture. Um, and so this picture was <laughs> yes. actually of a, of a house um, that had uh, basically cut out part of the roof and the wall and built it around the cactus because they couldn't cut down the cactus. Huh. Interesting. I guess it's yeah. a historical cactus. I mean, it's a, that, an antique about 20 times over at that point, right? Yeah. So interesting. But anyway, yeah. Cactus. Um, yeah, we 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 were at a little coffee shop um, named the Human Bean. Uh, entertainingly enough, um, oh, and I was I was I was walking around and in in my my usual carefree way was swinging my arms with abandon, and uh, the terminus of one swing ended up in me backhanding a cactus and uh, paying dearly for it um, for it did stab Ouch. me to the bone, and uh, I was cut to, to the, the bone. You say very sad. Yeah, it hardly bled at all, but the little spike was uh, inordinately more strong than you would think it would be. It was very spiky and very strong. You can see Ouch. how they live for so long because they're so angry and just refuse to die. Um, so yeah. when I backhanded it, it got the better of me, and its little spike didn't even break. And I was sitting there with a cold brew in one hand and a swelling, pulsing wound in the other hand, uh, but I've since recovered. And Did it uh, have barbs? Yes spikes thorns did it, horns did i don't it pull know out the uh the the spiky thing from the cactus no no the spiky thing endureth yet uh, i think it's still there mm. doing whatever evil thing it was doing before i smacked it um i didn't mm. have any appreciable uh impact on it it's just kind of there um but my hand is healed and now i know not to backhand a giant cactus and that would seem to be the the better part of wisdom yes well, see, I didn't know that before I back into the giant cactus, but now I know. Yeah. I once watched a uh, competitive eating uh, video where a guy ate a cactus hole, thorns oh, and all. Yeah, it was impressive. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so all, all that to say, the... Uh, the the local plant life out here has been quite arresting and uh, amazing to see. 
I did you know that Phoenix, I, I don't want to misquote this, so I'll just say the top four, but did you know that Phoenix is one of the most four mountainous states in these uh these this blessed union of states that we call home? Um because I, it has I did some not of the most know that Phoenix was one of the most mountainous states. Well, it's like the country of Africa, you know. Um, yes. So Arizona is uh, one of the most mountainous states, and uh, Phoenix, uh, as as you correctly pointed out, is a city in Arizona. Uh, but Arizona has uh, some of the most um, mountainous regions and some of the greatest elevation changes of any states uh, in the union, which we did not know. And we found that out, uh, not because we were cleverly Googling or researching, but because when we were um, driving Remy the truck up from uh, wherever it is we were coming from, we took a north turn to go up through Arizona to get to Phoenix. And instead of it just being a flat, dry, boring uh, desert um, where everything is just all dried out and sad and flat, um, it became mountainy and tree-y and green and rocky and cactusy. And every every half hour or so, the landscape would just completely change, and you would see this just majestic new take on uh, trees, cactuses, rocks, mountains, grass, boulders, and uh, just just this beautiful new arrangement of all of those ingredients. It's kind of like the Taco Bell version of a landscape where Taco Bell can do magical things with uh, cheese, beans, rice, burritos, and and tortilla chips. Like Phoenix finds a way to rearrange. Um, mountains, grass, rocks, boulders, cactuses, hills, foothills, subhills, cave hills, canyons, slot canyons, and other canyons in ways that are just endlessly entertaining. And there's no two parts of it that are alike. And the elevation changes are just amazing. So it's been a state that is uh, far, far more interesting than we thought it'd be. And we could say the same for New Mexico, too. It's not nearly as boring as us uh, East Coast people would initially think that it is. Hmm. Fascinating. Yes, yes, it has been, and I have the pictures Wyoming, to prove on the it. Other hand, <laughs> yeah, I suppose we can both just say Wyoming's uh, wicked boring because we haven't been there. But I'm sure if we went there, it would also be uh, fascinating and interesting of its own accord. But I have absolutely no knowledge of Wyoming. Good, great, right? Yeah, I also um, don't know much about Wyoming. For the record, uh, but to but to briefly recapitulate the theme with which I started, um, the experience of driving through Arizona, New Mexico, even Arkansas in some small portion, uh, but also definitely Ew. Texas, where there are many, many. Uh, I, I always say windmills, and then Candace corrects me. Um, they're not wind uh, turbines, wind turbines, the things that give us electricity from the wind. Um, hmm. Texas is is fraught with those. Um, but uh, yes, Houston, the windy city. <laughs> Hello, and we're back. I apologize. My puppies got startled and went barking again. Um, oh, so, poor puppies. Uh, let's go ahead. I know. Um, but I, uh, it's, it's been great talking to you again tonight. I guess we can go ahead and, and land the plane for this evening. Um, but any, anything else that you just had a, a burning desire to, uh, to say or to cover before we finish up? No, just that um, I'm glad to, uh, to be back. Uh, on the podcast again, um, always, uh, feels like we can 
uh, have a conversation and not have it uh, take too much effort and uh, pick up where we left off, um, even though there are more miles separating us now than previously and, uh, and several weeks of silence between us. Um, nevertheless, it feels easy and enjoyable to talk to you. So always a pleasure. Well, I feel the same and very much appreciate your, your friendship and uh, willingness to sit down and, and talk always very much appreciated. So, um, yeah. And if, if I wasn't clear, so Candace and I are on a, a 13 week assignment right now, and we may be looking at doing a 13 week assignment in Boulder, Colorado, um, immediately following this one. I'll probably, probably, uh, fly back to Raleigh once or twice in the near future, um, and I'm doing a, a wedding there in December, which I'm really looking forward to and a few other things. And, uh, and my niece is getting married, which I'm very much looking forward to. So I'll be in and out. Um, but we've enjoyed this, this whole travel arrangement. So I think we're going to keep at it at least for a, a few more weeks here. Very cool. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, like I said, I'll probably, uh, follow this this episode up with some uh, personal reflections of our drive across America because it was really interesting um, but for now I guess I'll I'll let you go and get back to your family for the night and um, I hope you have a, a wonderful rest of your evening likewise um, pet the puppies for me uh, give Candace our best Michelle. and you can take the rest <laughs> fair enough well give Leanne and your children the very best also, and uh, if you can't see Carson, he's in his uh, majestic outbuilding that he has as a, a really cool podcast studio, and I'm green with envy. Um, so it's been it's been fun seeing in your in your cool podcasting cave tonight, and uh, hope you continue to enjoy I, your. I really like your, your super cool uh, digs. Yeah, I really like your map in the background. I have a map of the world behind me. It makes me look. <clears throat> Very, uh, very well traveled. Mr. Like Worldly Wiseman. <laughs> and no, definitely not that. All right, buddy. Well, much love to you. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. Likewise. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.